So I'm going to say a word, and when I say this word, I just want you to notice what comes to mind, what you feel in your body. Are you ready? Inbox. Did you feel like a sense of ease and relaxation come over you? Did you feel very relaxed? Most people, when they think of their inbox, think of a number, a growing number. As we sit here, more emails are piling up. We have not always had email inbox. It's a relatively new thing. Like, we literally have created more ways to be stressed through email. But I also wonder for you, when do you deal with your email? Is it all the time? Once a day? Three times a day? Do you ever turn it off? When is your cell phone on? When is it off? When can't we get a hold of you? When don't you answer your phone because you're actually doing something? Can we call you and interrupt you at any time, any day? When are you working? When are you not working? I'm 44 years old, and I would say for 42 years, I have ignored the Sabbath. If Sabbath is about when strivings cease, I'd have to confess most of my life, striving has rarely ceased. For most of my life, I've avoided the topic of Sabbath. I've dismissed the practice as something meant for the more naturally contemplative people. Like, not Enneagram 3s, not ENTJs like me. And then, Easter 2016 happened. And on that Easter, we had the largest gathering we had had up until that point as a church. We had grown from like 60 people in the beginning to 650 on that Easter morning. And you guys, I woke up on Easter Monday, and I wrote in my journal, I feel bored. And it was strange because, uh, number one, I'm not a person who gets bored very often or easily. And number two, externally, there was so much to be excited about. Like, we had somewhere along the way officially crossed the line from, like, surviving to thriving as a church plant and as a community. And for me, that was one of those crisis moments, kind of existential crisis moments, where externally everything looked great, but internally there were, like, some warning lights going off on the dashboard of my life. There was like a check engine light flashing at me. And we're in this series right now called Sabbath. And we are exploring the practice of resistance, really. Sabbath is a practice of resistance to the always-on, always-producing, always-productive culture of now that we live in. And so today, we're going to talk about three things. Athletes and rhythms and Egypt. So last week, we talked about the first time we see this word Sabbath in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament. It's the word Shabbat. 
And the first time we see it is in the creation story. When we read that on day seven, God rested. Shabbat. And in the entire book of Genesis, there is one time that something is said to be holy. That's the word kadash. The only thing said to be holy in the entire book of Genesis, not the temple, not God's people. What is said to be holy is time. The seventh day is holy. The day of rest is holy. And as we move through the Bible out of Genesis, the next place we read about Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments. So in the Ten Commandments, we read the Sabbath commandment. It's the fourth of the ten, and it's the longest commandment. The Ten Commandments appear in two places in the Bible, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And if you look at Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, what you notice right away is they kind of look like identical twins. Like you read those two passages, and at first glance, it's like they're identical twins. But as you look at them further, after you get to know them more, there are slight variations. So in Exodus, we read, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then in Deuteronomy, we read, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sounds like identical twins. But the motive for remembering the Sabbath is slightly different in these two passages in Scripture. So in the, ex in, uh, in the Exodus account, the motive for remembering the Sabbath day is creation. In Deuteronomy, the motive for remembering the Sabbath is redemption. It's the Exodus story. It's you were once slaves, but you no longer are. So one is creation. God rested on the seventh day. We talked about that last week. And then in Deuteronomy, it is you were formerly slaves, but now you have been set free. So in Exodus, we read this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. The motive, creation. God rested. Therefore, we are to rest. But then in Deuteronomy, we read this. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. What's interesting in both of these passages is that Sabbath rest is extended not just to God's people, not just to the Israelites, but to the animals, to the slaves, and to the strangers. In other words, all elements of creation are called to enter into and benefit from this rest. Sabbath rest is for all of creation, not just God's people. All right, can we talk about athletes for a minute? So we just spent a few days in Wisconsin attending Anissa's high school graduation, and our flights were delayed a bunch yesterday. So actually, we got home at like 2 in the morning, and then I woke up at 5, so I'm sorry about this message. <laughs> But we were at this high school, niece's high school graduation, so of course we're talking about senior pictures and pulling out family senior pictures. And since we're staying with Nana, Tim's mom, I got to see once again Tim's senior pictures. Do you want to see them? 
Okay, so this is Tim as a high school football athlete senior photo. <laughs> so cute, right? Go Wausau East. Go number three. Okay, the next one, uh, let's see, this one is, oh yes, the classic. Such a baby <laughs> face, right? So cute. Okay, but my favorite, this only happens in Wisconsin, is this one. Like in Colorado, you stand by a tree or near a mountain. In Wisconsin, you are a lumberjack. <laughs> and as they say, you can take the boy out of the country, but you cannot take the country out of the boy. <laughs> and Tim's speaking next week, so you'll probably see some embarrassing photos of me then. <laughs> but athletes, back to athletes, they will tell you that there's a formula for growth. And it looks something like this. Stress plus rest equals growth. Stress plus more stress equals injury. And rest plus rest equals atrophy. So the formula for growth for athletes, stress plus rest equals growth. And what is true in athleticism is really true in all of life. For six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest. There is a rhythm to life. One month after Easter 2016, I entered a soul care journey. It was a two-year journey uh, with 25 people and uh, learning to care for your soul for the sake of others. And I started really looking at my own addiction to productivity. So the scenario for me at the time was for several years, uh, Tim and I had been you know, co-pastoring a growing church. We had started and were leading a small business in town, had some rental properties, and then we had two kids along the way. So our family was growing. And I tell you that just because I want you to know that was the scenario. And I loved all of it. Like, part of the tension for me with Sabbath is, like, this storyline that went, but I get to do all this stuff. Like, I'm passionate about all this stuff. The energy I bring to my work is one of I get to, not I have to. So when you love your work, why do you need to rest from it? But here is what I came to see. Because I was doing everything, because all of my days looked the same insofar as all of them involved my work, I, would, I was slowly becoming dull to everything. Like I was coming to see that I wasn't really bored so much as I was tired of it all looking the same every single day, involving this work, these fascinating, interesting, passionate, love it kind of work but still every single day looking the same. So Easter 2016 for me was like kind of a wake-up call that something was off. And since then, I would just say I've been slowly working to reorder my days and my life for maximum joy and contentment. I would say uh, for me it's kind of like a 
two steps forward, three steps back sort of a journey. For me, embracing Sabbath time is more of a process than a one-time decision. But slowly and consistently, I would say I have been reordering my days. And so I just, this morning, I'm going to share some of my learnings over the last two to three years in practicing Sabbath, although I am very much still on this journey. So author Dallas Willard says something to pastors that I really think applies to all of us. He says this, the main thing you bring the church is the person that you become. That's what everybody will see. That's what gets reproduced. That's what people will believe. So he says, arrange your life so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. See, most parents that I talk to want to know, what should I do in parenting? And most leaders that I talk to want to know, what should I do as a leader? And most people I talk to want to know, what do I do to live a great life? Just give me the three essential ingredients for great parenting or leadership or living a great life. That's what we're all looking for. But before you do anything, you are someone. And what gets translated most to the people around you is the person you are and the person you are becoming. So Brene Brown says this related to parenting. She says this, the question isn't so much, are you parenting the right way? As it is, are you the adult you want your child to grow up to be? Do you see the nuanced difference? We're all looking for, like, what's the parenting philosophy that I can adopt and do that will cause my kids to turn out as good as they could turn out? It's not so much are you parenting the right way as it is are you the adult you want your child to grow up to be. And that is true for all of life. If you are always busy, you reproduce busyness. If you are always anxious, you pass on anxiety. If you are always juggling a million things, you are training those around you that spinning plates constantly is what is most important in life. If you're always distracted, you train others to be distractible because how you do anything is how you do everything. And Jesus teaches us how to be most human. And human flourishing is almost like a platform that we build in following Jesus one plank at a time. Jesus teaches us what it means to be most human. And that human flourishing begins with, like, human dignity. You are made in the image of God. Therefore, you are a human being, not a human doing. And the human dignity says, I am not working constantly to prove my worth because my worth has already been given to me by God. Another plank in the platform 
that you build for your life in order to flourish is Sabbath rest. Another is hard work. Just as we are commanded to rest, we are commanded to labor. And human doings always end up burnt up, burnt out, tired, lonely, sometimes bored. Because if you do not slow down, eventually you will go down. Jesus is showing us what it means to be most human. And he says these words about Sabbath. The Sabbath, like a gift, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's talk about rhythm for a minute. There's a rhythm to the day, and there's a rhythm to the week, because there's a rhythm to everything. Think about your breathing. There's a rhythm to our breathing. Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. Think about nature. There's a rhythm to nature. What happens in nature? In the fall, the leaves fall. In the winter, everything dies. In the spring, things start to come to life. In summer, they're in full bloom, and then we do it again. There's a rhythm to breathing. There's a rhythm to the seasons, to nature. And there's a rhythm to waking and sleeping. I mean, when you wake up, your body is firing cortisol. And that gradually tapers off during the day. That cortisol is related to adrenaline. It gives you the energy you need to go about the day, to do the things you need to do. And then later in the day, as the sun goes down, your body, ideally, begins releasing melatonin. It's like it's anticipating the end of the day. It's anticipating that you are going to drift off into a deep sleep. Have you ever checked email right before bed and then go to sleep and find yourself wide awake staring at the ceiling at 2 a.m.? Of course. Just when the rhythm of your body was going to sleep, you jolted it back awake with a bright light of a screen and all the problems and ideas that came through the computer to you. At just that moment when your body was most relaxed, ready to get the sleep it needs, it was jolted back awake. It's like it's out of sync with the natural rhythms of the day. Breathing, nature, sleeping, there's a rhythm to all of it. So over the last couple years, I've been experimenting with some changes. Let me tell you a little bit about my Friday afternoon ritual these days. Sometime around 1.30 on Friday to about 1.30 on Saturday, time looks a little different for me. Our kids have early release on Fridays from school, so we pick them up at 1.30, and very often we begin heading to the mountains. And on the way, it's like I start to decompress. I have started turning off my phone. And when I do this, 
I'm beginning to have like the same physiological reaction. It's like my body, my bones, my cells, like take a deep breath. I relax somewhere deep inside. Like I sigh like a great weight is coming off of me. And I turn off my phone knowing I'm not going to turn it on again until like 1.30 on Saturday. So no email, no work, no creating, no writing. Sabbath time. You know, in the Exodus story in the Bible, the Hebrew slaves in Egypt had to make bricks every day. Bricks, bricks, bricks every day, day after day. And every single day was the same. More bricks. Every day looked like the day before. Every day looking like the day before, that's the definition of despair. In Egypt, their worth and their value as slaves came from how many bricks they produced. And when God rescued them from slavery, when they left that life, they left that understanding of what it means to be human. And so one of the first things God says to them is, set aside a day every week to remember you are not slaves. Your worth is not wrapped up in how many bricks you produce. You are a human being, not a human doing. And what always strikes me about this Exodus story is that even though they get out of Egypt, it takes a while for Egypt to get out of them. I mean, have you ever felt like you are a slave? A slave to your phone? A slave to your email? A slave to work? A slave to your to-do list? The story about Egypt is a story about us. I have some Egypt in me because I'm regularly a slave to my work and to my to-do lists and to my phone, and I forget who I am. And I need help with this. And so after 42 years, I'm like beginning to embrace this practice. And when I set aside time for Sabbath time, I try to let that time be whatever it wants to be. So often for us, we're trying to get to the mountains. I'm walking slowly with the kids to the park. We're throwing rocks in the river. Very often, Tim and I are cooking food together that we enjoy, drinking good wine together. And while all of this sounds really great, I have to be honest and say that at first, it was not great. Like, I would say at first, it actually made me kind of miserable because literally, by early evening on those first Fridays, I was like cranky and depressed and sluggish and sad and like, what is the point of all this? Why am I even trying to do this? And it's supposed to be great. So that's a head scratcher, right? Like this day is supposed to be thrilling. You're supposed to be like tapping into the mother load of energy or something. But it wasn't like that for me at first. What was wrong? Like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with this day? Why can't I figure this out? Why is it so hard for me to just be? Why do I want to like, I can barely stay awake past 8 p.m. And gradually over time, this has changed. And what I've come to realize and have begun to understand is that most of my days are go, go, go. 
get the kids to school, go to a meeting, meet with so-and-so, check email, do this, do that. It's most of my days are answer phone calls and go, sound familiar? Go, go, go. And all that motion, it's like an endless stimulus to my body. It's like a hit or a drug. Like I see I've just gotten that text, little dopamine rush, like a little ripple of excitement. It's exciting to keep moving all the time. If people are contacting you, that means, you know, they're thinking about you. You're needed. You have a role to play. You matter. All of that stuff, it affects us spiritually. And it might be good stuff. It might be stuff I love and I'm passionate about. It might be good stuff. But it's also very seductive. Because it's easy to become addicted to the pace, to the hit. And so I just began to see, like, when I take time and remove all that constant stimulus, my body kind of falls into a state of shock initially. It's like my body is saying to me, what are you doing? Where's the hit? Where's the adrenaline rush? And so we crash. But think about some of your favorite moments in time. Think about some of your favorite moments in life. Usually, in your favorite moments, you say things like, we just lost track of time. On your favorite days, you look at your watch and you're like, where did the time go? On the best days, you say, like, that day just flew by. Why is that? Because in those moments... You're not relating to time, like, how much can I get out of this time? You are simply present to time. Time isn't being used to produce anything. It is not being measured for how much you can get out of it. That is why the Sabbath is to time what the temple is to space, right? A temple carves out a bit of the domain of space and says this space belongs to God in a special way. And the Sabbath carves out a bit of time from the domain of time, carves it out and says this time is going to belong to God in a special way. And why do we do that? It's a practice. It reminds us that all time belongs to God, that all space belongs to God. And by doing that practice, we remember we can enter this rest of God, this rule of God, at any time. And so by practicing Sabbath, it actually is something that over time, like a muscle, it's like Sabbath begins to leak, right? You start to realize, like, oh, there is a way to relate to time, to enter the rule and reign and rest of God on a regular basis. And you're learning what that feels like on Sabbath. And then you're pulling it into an hour of each day. God is always present. It is we who are often absent. Central to creating a life worth living is just understanding you and I have more power over our time than we realize. Work, play, labor, leisure, like step in and then step out. This rhythm, you create the rhythm. 
that helps you do that work that only you can do on this earth. So let's pray together as we close. God, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath. We thank you that you have said this day is holy. And I pray that you might show each of us what it might look like to order our days for maximum joy, maximum contentment with you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.